Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Dangerous Prayer series, in which we are challenged to pray for incredible things from God and believe that He will answer. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, we started a brand new series last week, and uh, the series is Dangerous Prayers. And uh, the whole premise of this series is just challenging us to, uh, if I can say it this way, challenging us to understand how to step it up in our prayer life. Uh, You know what? A lot of people, if you think about it, a lot of Christians are actually uh, what you would call shallow prayers. You You know what I'm talking about? Uh, we have a lot of Christians who are uh, just surface prayers and shallow prayers and uh, believers who are good at, at good at praying for their food. You know, God bless my food. Help, you know, the, the comedian help this uh, Cheeto to become a carrot stick as it goes down. We're good at praying for food. Uh, we're good at praying for safety. You know, God, I, I just pray that you keep me safe today. We're good at praying for our immediate uh, requests that we think are important to us. God, I need this from you. We're good. Listen, a lot of believers, a lot of followers of Jesus are good at making God a genie. Let's be honest. We're good at that. We're good at just giving God what we want rather than getting real with God and seeking the character of God in our lives. And so the whole premise of this series is built upon helping us getting to, to get real with God, uh, helping us to go beyond the shallow. The truth is, when you and I look into the Word of God, it doesn't take long to realize that the characters within the pages of Scripture, they knew how to pray. I mean, characters in the Word of God, they knew how to talk with the Lord. They knew how to, how to pray over things that were incredibly personal, uh, like Hannah in the, the book of 1 Samuel, when she prayed, God, give me a child. Lord, I desperately, I want a child, and I'll give him back to you. She prayed that which was personal. We see, we see that in, in Scripture, but then we also see uh, prayers that were very practical, God, I need you to provide my need. I think of Elisha and Elijah. Lord, we're gonna starve in this situation. We need you to provide food. And God, your people need you to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon your people. I mean, when you think about it, sometimes those believers, they had a a gentle whisper and and a loving prayer to God. And other times they cried out to the Lord in, in frustration and in curiosity. Lord, I think of David. God, why? God, what is going on? And I think all too often we look in Scripture and we don't understand that those early believers and these followers of God, they pled to God with sincerity and they begged him for his involvement in their life. They prayed for boldness to share their faith. Think about some of those Christians or some of those in the Word of God who prayed for walls both internally and externally to fall. Joshua, God, you've got to give us Jericho. Think about Daniel praying for the mouths of hungry lions to be shut. Jonah prayed for the belly of a hungry whale to be opened and him to be out. Gideon prayed for his fleece to be wet one day and, and dry the next. And God's people prayed with whether they were filled with joy or crushed by sorrow. Their prayers were honest. Their prayers were real. Their prayers were fiery. Their prayers, if I can say it, they were gutsy. Their prayers were desperate. Sometimes their prayers were lengthy. At other times, it was two or three simple words. And yet when we pray, we pray, God, bless my sub sandwich and these chips. Amen. God, give me this and do that. Amen. God, I just want to come before you this morning and ask you to bless my day. I should spend time with you. And so, Lord, you're a great God, and I hope that you would help me today. In Jesus' name, amen. And we leave convincing ourselves that we've spent real meaningful prayer time with God. Oh, for us, it isn't that we don't believe in prayer. I think if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe in prayer. It's just that all too often we get stuck in the comfortable rut of safe Christianity. But here's the truth. The truth is that safe prayers and comfortable prayers and lukewarm or half-hearted prayers, they do not draw us into a deeper relationship with God. 
No, the prayers that grow our relationship with the Lord, they are prayers that are real, heartfelt, and sincere. They are dangerous prayers of faith. Last week, we were challenged by my dad, Fountain Senior, from Psalm chapter 25. And we were challenged to pray the dangerous prayer that David prayed of, Lord, teach me. God, teach me. We looked at the idea of him teaching us or leading us or guiding us and understanding the truth that it takes a willingness to follow. When we pray that prayer of, Lord, teach me, God, help me to know today what you want in my life today. Teach me your ways. Uh, it, takes, it takes faith to say, and as you teach, I'll take the steps. As we come to our time in the word of God today, we're going to learn from a few places in scripture, but particularly one about what I'm calling today a prayer of desperation. The prayer of Lord, save me or Lord, help me. You ever been desperate for something? Think about it. You've probably been desperate for maybe some, uh, my mind when I think of desperation, I think people who are desperate for food or, or desperate for water. Uh, Hannah and I, on one of the, the trips that we were on, we became familiar uh, with the story of a lady who became stranded at sea for over two months over two months, stranded at sea. And, and as we heard about her story, uh, she relayed being desperate for food and, and desperate for water, just thinking about, uh, uh, dreaming about a fresh cup of water and dreaming about food. And she was living for weeks on end off of uh, canned sardines, peanut butter, and rainwater when it would storm. And, and that just kept her alive. And she spoke, or we, we learned about the desperation for that food, maybe you have teenagers in the home, then you know what it's like for them to be desperate for food. Uh, Lena, she said to me uh, just recently, she said, Dad, do you ever think that you could become so hungry that you actually get sick and throw up because you're so hungry? It's like, I don't know. That's an interesting question, but we can figure that out. Dennis, all of the time, he's in the back now, but uh, Dennis, all the time, he says, hey, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm like, dude, we just ate. He's like, I know. I'm hungry again. I'm like, well, where does it go? He's like, I don't know. I have a tapeworm or something. You know, I just, and man, teenagers, they can just eat and eat and consume. And it's almost like teens are like, I'm desperate. You know, well, we just ate 20 minutes ago. I know, but if I don't eat again, I'm gonna die. Yeah, we laugh, but you were there when you were a teenager too. And so was I. You know, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've all desperately, def, definitely been, uh, been at a place where we've been desperate. But I want to look this morning at, at being desperate. Not desperate for food or desperate for water, but I want to look today at living a life and praying in a way that says, God, I'm desperate for you. God, I'm desperate for you. Oh, not because we're in some great horrific situation, but simply because of this truth, and I'll say it a few times this morning. In life, we, gotta, we have to remember that we can't, but God can. Listen, you can't carry your burdens, but God can you can't live out the Christian life and, and have the right marriage and the right home that God desires, but, but God can. But it's sad that all too often, too many of us, we don't live with desperation for God. We don't live recognizing that we need God. I would say that no doubt you've probably been to a place where God was the only answer. You've probably been to the place where it was, God, if you don't step in, I don't know what's gonna happen. We've all, we've all been there. We've all had those times. A place where God was our last and only hope. And this morning, we're gonna come to Matthew chapter 14, and we're gonna discover this in Peter's life. Peter's at a place where God, literally, Jesus literally is his only hope. But the challenge we're going to receive this morning is to understand that we don't want Jesus to be our only hope 
at that last moment, we wanna wake up every day and say, God, you're my only hope for the day. God, you're my only hope for today. So take your Bible, if you would, and let's go to Matthew 14. Stand with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 14, and we're gonna read verse 22 down through verse number 33 this morning. A great portion of scripture, Matthew 14, verse 22, down through verse number 33. It says this, and straightway, Jesus, he constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus, he spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid." And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. And said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. As you look at these verses in this passage before us, we look at Peter's story, and we're going to be challenged to understand this truth. The truth that God desires that we would live each and every day in desperation for him to work in our life. But why is it that we wait until we're sinking to need God? Why do we wait until we have him as our last hope instead of turning to him as our first resource? The truth is that not too many people live desperate for God. And today, I want us to be challenged to approach our life and approach our prayer with a desperation for God. God, I need you to help me in every single thing I do. Lord, save me. Lord, I, it's not sink or swim, it's sink or you. And so God, I need you. And so this morning, I'm gonna encourage us to recognize each and every day, we desperately need God's involvement in our life. Let's pray and then we'll get in our time this morning. Dear Lord, I wanna thank you for the word of God. I want to thank you, Lord, for how you use it to impact us and how you work to change us from the inside out through your word. And so, Lord, I pray that as I preach this morning, God, I pray that you'd speak to us. Lord, I pray for every person, whether here or online, that you would help us today to be attentive to your word, that we would hear from you and be challenged by you. And then, Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, they don't know that their sins are forgiven, they don't know they have a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and trust in you. We love you, God. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for uh, meeting with us. Thank you for what you're going to do. I pray that you'd speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to Matthew chapter number 14, no doubt it's a familiar portion of scripture for many of you who perhaps have been in church. And uh, as we get into this this morning, I really want us just to kind of get a handle on the context, what's taking place in the story. And then we're going to look at Peter's desperate cry for the Lord, what we read there where he says, Lord, save me as he's sinking. And, uh, and then we're going to discover what it means to live with a desperation, live with that uh, desire of God, I need you no matter what's taking place. As you come to Matthew 14, 
14, there's a lot happening. We're definitely uh, at a place, many, many people would know or remember of Peter walking on the water. But just to kind of get us up to speed, Jesus Christ, of course, he's already started his earthly ministry. He's already started uh, going around healing people. As a matter of fact, if you were to go back just a few verses before what we read, you would find Jesus feeding the 5,000 and that miracle taking place where he just took a few uh, loaves of bread and a few fishes and multiplied it and fed not only 5,000, but some think maybe 12 to 15, 18,000 people that would have been there that day that Jesus would have fed. And so all of that's taking place. As we start in our passage in verse number 22, we discover that the scripture says that Jesus uh, sends his disciples over the Sea of Galilee. Hey, get in a ship, get in a boat and go to the other side. And then he goes to a mountain for time to pray. What an awesome example Jesus sets for us of spending time alone with God. I mean, Jesus was God in the flesh, and yet he, he exemplified for us what it means that in our flesh, in our, in our physical uh, uh, bodies, we need God's help. Spiritually, we need that encouragement. Jesus spent time with the Lord, and you and I, we definitely need to spend time with the Lord. Well, Christ is doing that. He's spending time with the Lord. But as he's spending time with the Lord, we read about the disciples and their predicament. They're in that boat, that fisherman's boat. It would be, oh, probably 18 to 21 feet long. It would, wouldn't be a big yacht like we would think about. It would just be a, a simple fisherman's boat that they would have. And those disciples would be in that. And as they're crossing the Sea of Galilee, they, they encounter something that takes place. Now, the Sea of Galilee, when we think about it, we probably don't think about something that, that's, that, that is that big. But the Sea of Galilee really is a, a, a large lake. That's what it is. It's a large lake. It's something that's not huge, but it would be a little bit bigger than Moses Lake. But the depth of it and the, the breadth of it would be something that really you would stand and be in awe at. And it's interesting. I've, I know I've read about them, but you read about the storms on the Sea of Galilee in Scripture, and we think, well, it's just a lake. How bad could the storm be? This last year when we were in Israel, I was uh, coming back, and about a mile from our hotel, right there on the Sea of Galilee, about a mile was this little convenience store. And so me and a couple other pastors that I was with, we just walked down to the convenience store, wanted to buy some bottled water and some snacks and different things. And so as we were on our way back, it was about, about 9 p.m. The sun had just set, and uh, we, we saw some clouds off, of, off in the distance, and you kind of heard them. And we saw some lightning, and we thought, man, we're, we're going to get rained on. And uh, I remember everybody's carrying, you know, we're carrying cases of water and sacks and walking. And a couple guys are like, man, I do not want to get soaked. I don't want to get struck by lightning, you know. And so we, we start speeding up a little bit. And uh, right when we got to our hotel, that storm rolled in. Now, we were about 100 yards from the Sea of Galilee, the back patio of the hotel was. And, and let me tell you, it was pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible because that storm came in just out of nowhere. And how many of you have been in a Midwest rainstorm? You've been in that? Man, you know what that's like then? We were in one a couple weeks ago in Indiana. When the, I mean, you're like looking out like, oh, yeah, there's a storm out there. And then, boom, all of a sudden, it's a you know, downpour. That's what took place there. Just this downpour, and the wind came up. And I, I was thinking to myself, oh, now I get it. I would not want to be in a boat out there right now. And I'm, you know, you're watching and, and uh, you can look up some pictures about storms on the Sea of Galilee. And so here's the disciples. They're out on the Sea of Galilee and, and this storm rears up and there's these waves crashing and everything taking place. And we don't read much about their fear there. Now, there were times when they were afraid on the water. I, I believe there's a little bit of fear about the storm. But what really got them scared is what they saw next. Because as they're there out on the middle of the out on a boat in the middle of this large lake, this Sea of Galilee, as they're there, they look, and I can almost imagine one of them being like, Hey, listen, guys, I ate some bad pizza earlier. But I really feel like I can see somebody walking. Does that look like that? Maybe it's Thomas doubting Thomas. I don't think it really is, you know. And somebody else looks and goes, no, no, there's, there's somebody out there. And what do you read them doing? The Bible says that then they're, they're terrified. Then they're afraid. The afraid there is not like, oh, that's a little disturbing. The afraid there is like, ah! 
Yeah, we're seeing a ghost, man. That's, they, that's what they say. It, it's a spirit, man. There's a ghost. We're being haunted. Everybody down. You know, over, man, overboard. Get, man, swim, row. I don't know what they're doing, but they're thinking, get out of this situation. And as they're there, then they, they hear a voice. And the voice says, hey, guys, uh, don't be afraid. It's me. I, I don't know about you, but as they're there in this storm and here comes Christ on this water and they're, they're the word troubled, fearful, or agitated. It's interesting. Uh, I didn't say this a second ago, but verse 24, it says that the winds were contrary. That word contrary, it means what it's saying, boisterous. It means going and just up and down. And when it says that they're fearful, they're afraid, it's a very similar Greek word, meaning in their spirit, it's anxiety, going up and down, fearful, what in the world? I mean, they're, they're just going crazy on the inside. And Jesus says to him, hey, it's me. Hey, fear not, it's me. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And in that moment, Peter replies, Lord, if it's you, call me out on the water. I want some confirmation in this. And Jesus simply speaks one word, come. What an incredible experience. Peter, with his eyes fixed on Christ, think about what he does. He climbs over that boat's side and lowers himself down and his, his feet touch the water and he's not sinking. And he's looking, he's, he's, he's focused on the Lord and he begins to walk on the water with Christ. What an experience. I remember our first year in Israel being at the Sea of Galilee and, and we were joking. I think me and Blim were on the boat and we were like, you know, the tour guides, they tell you, if it wasn't close to here, it was, it was, if it wasn't here, it was close to here. And they're going through this and we're out there and it's like right here is where Peter walked on the water. We know it. We have proof. There are footprints, you know, and we're joking about this. And I, I forget if it was, I, I don't know if it was me and Micah or me and uh, Blim, but we're joking. Man, we don't know exactly where it was on the sea, but what an experience. Man, walking with Jesus on the water. But then a turn of events happens. Peter, he looks around, he sees the wind. Now we know he doesn't actually see the wind. He sees the effects of the wind. He sees the waves up and he sees the wind boisterous, the effects of the wind boisterous all around him and uh, the swells of water crashing around about him. And perhaps he feels the instability and the fluctuation of the water. And, and in that moment, what does he do? He begins to sink. He begins to sink. And uh, personally, I don't think it was just like, oh no, I'm sinking. I don't think it was that. Personally, I think that as soon as he began to look around, he realized this is a storm, and that's when he just started, dro started to drop. And he, he had enough time to get three words out. Lord, save me! Those are the only three words that he speaks. <clears throat> I love the response of the Lord then. It says, immediately. Immediately the Lord reaches out. He reaches out and catches him, caught him, and pulls him up, and then Peter and the Lord, they walk back to the ship, walk back to the boat. And in that moment, Jesus, Jesus kind of corrects Peter. Wherefore didst thou doubt? He says to him, he says, hey, oh, ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Hey, why did you take your focus off of me? Why did you lose sight of me, Peter? Well, they get back in the boat, and as soon as they step on board, the wind stops, and this, of course, not only watching them walk on water, but then the calming of the storm. It calls everybody in verse number 33 to worship and to say of a truth, thou art the son of God. Now, while you and I could look at this passage and perhaps we could say a lot, I just wanna take a few minutes and I wanna look at the words cried out by Peter because it's from the mouth of Peter that we hear a cry or a prayer of desperation. Peter's walking on the water with the Lord. He's defying the laws of physics. He himself was doing what no one else 
had ever done before. He was experiencing, experiencing a spiritual high and seeing Jesus Christ use him and work in his life like no one else had ever seen. But what happened? He turned his eyes, listen, he turned his eyes to his circumstances. He lost sight of who it was that was keeping him on the water. He forgot that it wasn't the words of Christ that was making it possible, but instead it, or it wasn't his words that were making this possible. It was the words of Christ that was making this possible. You see, Peter didn't say, hey, I'm coming. He said, Lord, if it's you, call me. And Jesus spoke the word, come. It was the word of Christ that had led Peter down this road. Because of this, he was at a point of desperation now because he forgot who it was that was helping him walk on the water. Listen, he forgot who it was that was keeping him safe. He began to focus on circumstances and then he quickly was going under. He cries out those words, Lord, save me. Peter knew that the Lord was his only hope. There was no other answer for him. Swimming wasn't an option. He just knew that Jesus was his only hope there on the Sea of Galilee. Those three words, Lord, save me. As we look at this very quickly for the next few minutes, I wonder this morning what would happen if you and I would realize that the answer for Peter's situation is the answer for your every day. Whether we feel like we're sinking or not, the truth is that we are in desperate need of Jesus Christ in our lives every single day. And I believe it wouldn't take long for us to admit if we would just stop and think, I need him. Can I tell you, we don't just need God to bless our meal and to bless our drive. We need God to be real and to be at work in every area of our life. With this world, I like how one man said, this world does not need more lackluster, dull, half-hearted Christians who settle for mealtime and Sunday-only Christianity. God has more for you. Man, God has more than what we settle for. The Christian life, you think about it today, the Christian life that, he had, that God has in store for us is so much more than what we can think about. I mean, God calls us to a life of faith and not a life of comfort. He challenges us to risk loving others more than ourselves. And instead of indulging on our desires, God says, I want you to deny yourself and, and seek the eternal. And instead of living by what we want, he tells us to take up the cross and, and to follow him. And God wants to use you to leave a lasting impact in the lives of those around you. He wants to use you to reach people. He wants to use you to lead your family into a real relationship with him. God wants to use you to forgive people when it's difficult, to love when love is not returned, to give when there's not much to give, to serve in spite of circumstances. I mean, you think about it. God has a higher calling on your life than, than even you could imagine. But all too often, we settle for what we can imagine. And the fact of the matter is this, that all of those things I just said, you can't do it. I can't get over the bitterness in my life. I can't forgive that person. I can't love the person who doesn't love me. But God doesn't ask you to do it. He asks you to let him do it through you. And so what I want to point to before we get to a very quick outline this morning is this thought. You and I, we need God. And I want to ask you this morning, what would it take? What would it take for you to leave church today and say, on Monday morning, I'm going to recognize I need God. And I'm going to get past, Lord, bless my day. And I'm going to move on to God. I desperately, I desperately need your help today. God, I need your mind in my mind today. I need your words to flow from me today. God, I can't work with those coworkers, but Lord, I know you want to work with them through me. God, I can't be a right husband. I can't be a right wife. God, I cannot be a right teenager. God, I can't, but I know you can. What's it going to take this morning to get us to that place? Oh, listen, we're here on a Sunday morning. Man, you're here on a Sunday you know what that means? That means you recognize your need for God. A lot of believers live recognizing the need for God, but not depending upon a need for God. We recognize it, but we do nothing about it. And so this morning, I want to ask us, 
to live a life of desperation. Choose to approach each day in desperate need of him. Peter cried out in desperation and some things took place. And so I want us to look at what takes place in our life when I pray in desperation. What takes place in my life when I cry out in desperation? I want us to notice, first of all, today that a prayer of desperation, number one, it causes us to refocus on him. When you cry out, Lord, save me. God, help me. That's the equivalent of what Peter is saying. Lord, help me. You know what it does? It refocuses your heart on him. Notice what took place in our passage, verse number 28. Through verse number 30, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he, Jesus, said, come. And when Peter, when he was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. I want us to notice this morning that It was with a focus and with a trust in the Lord that Peter took those first steps. He knew it was the voice of God calling him out. And uh, I mean, you think about it. This had to take some great faith. It had to take faith. I I can imagine, and we kind of went through the story so we won't do everything, but I can imagine as Peter's holding on the side of that ship, I can imagine being like that that person who doesn't want to get in the swimming pool. You know that one, they're kind of like on the side and, you know, maybe they're standing by the side rail and they like stick their toe in. They're balancing and then I come along and push them in. But anyway, they're there and they're, they're doing this and they're all, that's how I kind of imagine Peter in that moment. I mean, the, it's, not a, it's not a calm sea. Here he is hanging on to this boat, going back and forth. And I can imagine him like, got to build up some courage. And he lets go, boom. Are you there with him? And he's, I'm walking on water. Thomas, Matthew. He's like, look. And man, it's him. And he's walking on that water. But then something happens. He feels a wave hit the side of his leg. The walk isn't too steady. And the Bible says that his eyes, they leave the Lord and they move to his circumstances. They leave the Lord and they move to that boisterous wind. His focus shifted to the wind. He saw that wind as boisterous. It was mighty. It was fierce. It was strong. And perhaps in his mind, in that moment, it was stronger than the Lord. Why? Why why would we say that? Because he began to sink. But what does he do? He prays. He cries out. He cries out to the Lord in desperation. Lord, save me. You know what he did in that very moment when he began to sink? He refocused. You see, a prayer of desperation, his desperation, Peter's prayer of desperation, it turned his attention back to the Lord. He was sinking because he had taken his eyes off of the Lord. And that's what happens in your life and my life. All too often, we take our focus off of the Lord and we begin to sink in life. We lose joy and we lose peace that come with that healthy relationship. We lose that closeness with the Lord when we don't, uh, and we don't feel his direction in our life. And the truth is that when we recognize I need him, what does it do? It refocuses us back on him. Why is it? That when you hit rock bottom is most of the time the only time you look up. It's because that's the only place you can look. Right? One man said it, when you're laying flat on your back, the only place to look is up. What does it do? It refocuses me. We've all had those moments where we kind of zone out for a minute. You ever had that happen? Maybe you're in a conversation or you're at work or... God forbid, maybe you're even driving. And as you're going along, your mind begins to think about something else. And then you're just, oh, I don't know what you do, but like I literally acted out what I normally do. If, I, if I'm doing something and I lose focus, I, I literally shake my head. I'm like, oh, shake my head, blink my eyes. 
So if you ever see me do that, you're like, pastor zoned out. <laughs> it happens a lot. But I'll, I'll be doing something. There have been times, this is the worst. Don't you hate doing it when you're in a conversation with somebody? Like your spouse? That's just not smart. Hannah and I will be having a conversation, and she's down in kids' class today, so I can repent right now and not get in trouble. But uh, there's been plenty of times we'll be talking, and as she's talking, I'm listening to her intently. And then it's like, squirrel. (laughs) And I usually go and come back to the conversation right when she asks me for a response. So I'm listening, I do squirrel, and then I go, and she's just said, what do you think? Sounds good to me. (laughs) Whatever you think, I agree with you, honey. Yeah, don't look at me like that, you do it too. (laughs) What do you do when you, what, what is refocusing? Refocusing is, I'm drawing my attention back to this. And you know what we need some Christians to do? Some Christians need to stop living their life on their own and do this number. All right, God, I'm gonna get my attention back on you. But you know what helps, do, helps us do that is living with desperation. Praying a prayer of desperation, God, I need you today. God, help me today. God, here is my life. What are we doing? We're refocusing. That's what a lot of Christians need to do. We need to refocus on him. And it's saying, God, I don't know what you want to do, but I, I've zoned out, so I wanna refocus back on you. This was the heart of the psalmist in Psalm 63. He said, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul, it thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a a thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in thy sanctuary because thy loving kindness, it's better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate, thee upon, meditate on thee in thy night watches, because thou hast been my help. Therefore, the shadow of thy wing, therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand it upholdeth me. What is the psalmist doing? He's saying, God, I'm refocusing. Lord, there's a lot of things that have distracted me, but God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul will make her boast in you. You know what praying in desperation, living in desperation does? It, turns our focus back on him and desperately seeking his involvement in my life, it brings my focus to him. A prayer of desperation causes us to refocus upon him. Notice very quickly, secondly, a prayer of desperation, it causes us to admit our weaknesses. It causes us to admit our weakness. The word of God says in verse 30, Peter beginning to sink, he cried saying, myself, save me. Is that what it says? No, he cried out, Lord, save me. You know what this did? Peter is sinking and he looks to the Lord. He, he refocuses on the Lord, but he's recognizing I can do nothing in this situation. Peter knew and recognized that he was at a loss. He knew and recognized that there was nothing he could do. He knew it wasn't sink or swim, it was sink or rely on him. This is Peter admitting his need of the Lord and God's involvement in his life. Hey, God, I'm refocusing on you, and I realize I can't do anything. Can I tell you this morning, in your life and my life, we need to pray in desperation to the Lord every day because the fact of the matter is, in everything, we can't, but he can. Our problem is that all too often, we think we can we become self-sufficient, we become self-confident. We become like that elected official I spoke to a number of years ago when I said, how can I pray for you? And he said, oh, don't bother God with my prayers. I can handle my own business. We are the little Christian that could. How many know the story of the little engine that could? Yeah, the sad thing is a lot of us adopt that mentality into our Christianity. 
I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I. And we live every day saying, I can get through this, I can't, I can't. I. And we need to come to the realization we can't. I can't handle this. We'd be wise to recognize that we need the Lord and we can't. I'm recognizing, I'm admitting, I'm weak, but he is strong. Because the truth is, you can't forgive that person. The truth is, you can't restore the relationship. It's that you can't get past bitterness. You can't solve your financial problems. You can't develop peace in your own heart. You can't make joy real in you. You can't love that person who's truly unlovable. You can't deal with your anxiety and your stress and your depression and your emotional pain that you're carrying. You cannot do that. I can't do that. But God can And when I pray in desperation, when I live desperate for him, I'm not only refocusing upon him, but I'm admitting my weakness. Quit living desperate for your own solutions and instead turn in desperation to the only one who can. The psalmist prayed, David in Psalm 38, 21 and 22, forsake me not, O Lord, my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me. Lord, my salvation. Hey, you're the only answer. Psalm 40, verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Hey, God, I can't, but you can. We need to have that spirit of, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. I hope this morning that we would leave here saying, God, I want to live a life of desperation. I want to pray in desperation. God, I want to seek you in desperation. Why? Number one, it refocuses my attention upon him. Number two, it admits my weaknesses before him. But number three, it causes me to be closer to him. It causes me to be closer to him. I love what Peter did. Lord, save me. And the very next verse, verse 31, what does it say that Jesus did? It says immediately. Man, immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? As Peter cries to the Lord, man, God responds immediately. The word stretched forth is like that word cast that we saw a few weeks ago in the book of Peter. It doesn't mean that Jesus was just kind of like, oh, here, let me help you. The word stretched forth, the phrase, what it means, immediately stretched forth, it means Jesus' hand shot out. Man, he's like, boom. He was there quickly. I love the Lord's response. He didn't say, one second, Peter, I got to take care of a couple other things. He didn't say, hold, hold on, Peter, I'm a little busy right now. He didn't half-heartedly help Peter. No, Jesus, he immediately engaged in the life of Peter. Now, what are they doing? Now they're holding arms. Now Jesus is holding Peter. I, I wonder how that renewed and reignited Peter's excitement to walk on the water. Now, now, mind you, the storm is still going. It doesn't say that immediately as he grabbed him, the storm stopped. No, the storm didn't stop till they were back in the, in, the, in the ship. So now they're there walking on this water and the storm's going around. I can imagine Peter being like, hey, let's go to the other side. Man, Lord, you're right here. I've got it. We, we can do this. Man, Lord, let's, hey, let's go pick up, let's go skip some rocks. Jesus, can we do somersaults on here? I'm wondering, do you think it gave him a little, a little bit of uh, encouragement in his faith? I believe it did. He probably wasn't asking to do somersaults. I know, okay? Veronica was looking at me like, Pastor, somersaults? She was thinking backflips, but... I wonder when Jesus is holding his arm and holding his hand, and they turn to go to the boat, uh, to go back to that boat, I wonder if Peter's thinking, man, I could have stayed out here longer if I would have. Man, now I'm close to him. I wonder if he'll let me stay out longer. You know what it did? It drew them back into a close relationship. Peter's prayer of desperation, his cry of desperation, Lord, save me. It refocused his attention. It helped him admit his weakness, but then immediately he was close to the Lord. Immediately he was close to him. Definitely brought some confidence back into Peter's life. Now he's close to the Lord. And can I tell you this morning that when you and I, when we reach out to God in desperation, you grow in closeness with the Lord. Think about some promises with me from Scripture. How about James 4, 8? Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Man, hey, come close to me and I'll come close to you. 
Uh, you know the illustration of this verse is simply saying that when I, when I take one step, man, God, it's not I take a step, God takes a step. I don't believe it's that. I believe it's the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son, that when, when that father, when that father saw the son, what did the father do? Man, he ran to him. The son just had to make the first step back. Right, the son just had to just had to take that first step, just had to come. And what the father do, man, he ran. It's uncommon. Those Middle Eastern men, that especially those rich men, they wouldn't run. And man, he ran. He ran with arms wide open. He ran saying, I'm here. You know what? When you listen, when you wake up on Monday morning and you say, God, I need you today, you're going, you're refocusing your attention upon him. You're admitting your weakness. God, I can't, but you can. And you know what God does? He says, Good, I'm here. He says, good, I'm right here. Good, I've got grace for that. Good, I've got wisdom for that. Good, I've got help for you today. Hey, you're gonna face some situations today that you're going to need me and it's a good thing because I'm here. Man, you know what it does? It draws me close to the Lord. Draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I don't believe that this is referring to a, a, a mealtime Christianity. I think this is referring to somebody who is saying, God, I need your help. God, I need your direction. God, I need your wisdom and your grace and your forgiveness. And I, I think this morning that God is interested in some believers who will start to go deep in their Christianity and start to say, coronavirus or no coronavirus, I seek God. Mask or no mask, I seek God. Politics or no politics, I seek God. Republican or Democrat, I seek God. Listen, because the answer is not you and the answer is not me. You can't and I can't, but he can. We need some believers that'll say, listen, I'm done. I'm gonna refocus on him. I'm gonna admit my weakness and then God, I know that's gonna bring me close to you. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm, I don't want to be distant from the Lord. I want to live out of Luke eleven thirteen. 13. If ye then, Jesus, Jesus said this, if you know how to, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? This is him saying, I will be real and at work and active in your life if you'll seek me. Man, seek me. But we'll wake up tomorrow. We'll seek the paycheck. We'll seek the Facebook We'll seek social, seek social media. We'll seek that next adventure. Wake up tomorrow and seek him. Truth is, I'd much rather travel through this life in close proximity to the creator than keeping him at an arm's length. I hope that'd be your prayer tomorrow. I hope you teenagers realize you need God. Oh, I need my video games. No, you need God. I need YouTube. No, you need God. I need my music. No, you need God. And I need God. A prayer of desperation, it refocuses on him. It admits our weakness before him. It causes us to be closer to him. But then lastly today, it helps us to experience victory with him. Man, when I call out in desperation with God, I experience victory with him. But I wanna notice a couple of thoughts. Look with me. Matthew 14, verse 32 and 33. When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. Very quickly, two things I want you to see from this. Number one is the storm didn't immediately stop when Peter and Jesus linked up. He was still in the storm. You know, sometimes you'll cry out to God in desperation and your storm is not gonna stop. I know watching my daddy referred it last year, last, last year, he referred to it last week in his message fighting cancer for 10 years. I know that for 10 years, we've cried out, God, would you, would you heal him completely? And you know what? For 10 years, God said no. Now, God has brought healing through it, and at times, it'll be gone for a little bit and all of that stuff, but looking back over the last 10 years, God's answer was, I'll, I'll subside it, and I'll heal for now, but I'm not gonna just take it away permanently right now. And so you know what? There's prayers of desperation being made, but the storm's still going on. I look around right now. I think of those of you in here that have lost loved ones, and I won't call names, but I'm looking, and you know who you are. We've walked through it together. And in, the, in those moments, you cried out, God, I need you. And that person still passed away. 
God, I need you. And that financial loss still happened. God, I need you. And that wayward child went further. God, I, it just happens. But you know what it does? It brings you to closeness with the Lord that many of you probably would say, I would never trade that. Probably some of the most uh, probably some of the time of the deepest experiences of grace are in our deepest nights. You know why? It's because the Lord's saying, I've got you. Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm gonna walk with you through this. I remember Miss Anita back here when Brother Sam went home to be with the Lord. We just passed two years, two and a half years now. It's crazy. You know what Miss Anita said to me? She said, Pastor, I cannot imagine walking through this without the Lord. And I stepped back and I said, Anita, God's grace is all over you. Like, it's amazing to watch you walk through this. Oh, does it mean that the hurt goes away? No. Does it mean that the pain goes away? No. It just means that God brings me closer and ultimately I'm experiencing victory through him. You see, because one day the storm will be over. (laughs) Hey, one day the storm is gonna cease. One day the storm of life is done and we're gonna be evermore with the Lord. You know what? When you seek him in desperation, he draws you in and you experience victory internally that no one else could explain. You get that grace. You get that joy that's unspeakable, that peace that passes all understanding. You get that wisdom that's beyond understanding. So my question for us today is, will you live with a desperation for God? I wanna challenge you this morning. Quit praying prayers of simplicity. God bless my day. Now, do we want the Lord to bless our day? Yes. Is God ever gonna be like, don't ask me to bless your food. God's not gonna do that. The Bible tells us that we should give thanks. Man, for everything we have, we worship him, we give thanks for our food. And Lord, we do pray that you would use it to nourish us and, and help us to be a blessing to others because of the nourishment we're receiving. Just, let's just start thinking deeper and start thinking, I'm not gonna be a surface prayer. No, I need God. God, here's my situation. Lord, save me. Lord, help me. Lord, I need you. I wonder this morning what would happen if some believers today chose to desperately seek his intervention in every aspect of your life. Don't wait for the times when you're sinking to need him. Pray in desperation each and every morning. Have the heart of the psalmist in Psalm 70, verse one and five. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, because I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God, thou art my help, my deliverer. You're the only one I'm turning to, O Lord, make no tarrying. I wonder how would God work in your life if you lived in desperation for him? This, this, this morning as we close, I wanna encourage you, would you leave today having your mind made up, I need God this week. Lord, I need you tomorrow. God, help me, help my mind. Lord, help my heart. God, help my words. Lord, help me. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.